we we've been dealing with the the tulip right so we're weeding the tulip garden we've already talked about the fact we don't really care what the tulip in calvinism's all about our our goal is to weed out all the junk and uh, so what, what i've decided to do is let's take the tulip and make it our own all right so we start off with the t as total forgiveness uh, which is one of the greatest blessings that you can possibly find in Scripture today is to know that you are completely and totally forgiven of all sins, past, present, future. Um, that, that is an amazing thing to know. And if we don't know that, we need to know that. And if we don't believe it, we need to believe it. Because what's going to happen is... If we believe that we are completely and totally forgiven, then what that's going to do is allow us to live completely, totally yeah. forgiven. And if you know how to live completely and totally forgiven, what that does is not only, we talked about it on that, when, when we're going through that, not only do you have your sins forgiven, but here's the best part. All the guilt, shame, all that stuff, the feelings of rejection, all that stuff's gone too because guess what? You are accepted in the Beloved. And that's an amazing place to be. Um, and what makes that possible is the unconditional love where Christ went to the cross to shed His blood at Calvary to be a fully satisfying payment for God's justice and judgment so that they can then impute unto us His righteousness. Amen. And, you know, if that doesn't get yeah. you going... Um, let's keep on going. Let's see if we can find something that does get you going. Uh, and the, the next thing out of that, it, from that unconditional love and the total forgiveness and all that stuff, and again, we could have done multiple different things uh, with the tulip, but this is what we kind of landed on. The L was our life in Christ. And so we kind of set that up last week going through really the book of Romans and saying... You know, the fact in chapters 1 through 5, we're completely and totally justified. That's a great place to be. It's a great thing to know that you are completely and totally perfect in Christ. It's, it's a great thing to know that you are made the righteousness of God in Him. And that's a great place to be. <laughs> and why would you want to not want to know that? And then Romans chapter 6 tells us that we're free from sin. Uh, you know, we talked about the fact that we're freed from the penalty of sin now. We're free from the presence or the power of sin um, as we live and walk and have our being if we, work, if we walk in who we are in Christ based upon God's Word. But not only that, but one day we're going to be saved from the presence of sin. You're not, you're, there's, there's going to come a time where you will not have sin around you. And that's an amazing thing to know about and, and think about. So when we, when we go through these things, there's a few things that we wanted to finish up with. The life that we have in Christ Jesus. So uh, go over to Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> Romans chapter 12, and we're going to start there, and uh, we'll see how far we can get in this. And 
if we don't if we don't finish up this second time, then um, we'll still go on and talk about the the next one, uh, which is the eye, which is indwelt by the Godhead, and you know you think that's that's an amazing thing in and of itself too, and then the last one, the P that we'll talk about is um, prayer. All right, so that'll be the last one. Um, so let's let's go on. Let's get into Romans chapter twelve. We'll start off in verse one. We'll read verse one and two, uh, and three, and then we'll get started. All right, Romans chapter twelve, verse one. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Father, we thank you for the time that we have here that we can study your word, that we allow your word to work in and through us to present us um, perfect. That, that when you see us, you see your son. And the, the life that we have in Christ is so much so that, that that's who we are. And we're thankful that you look at us that way. That you look at us with our sins paid for and forgiven. All of our faults and all of our, all of our troubles and all the things that we, we bring upon ourselves, you don't, you don't hold those against us because you've already taken those out of the way nailing it to the cross, and then you take it and you, you, you just got rid of it. And we're thankful for that because that's what allows us to live the life that you've designed our life to be through your word working in and through us, that we may be to the praise and honor and glory of your grace, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So one of the things that we've got here, let's back up real quick. Uh, just to remind ourselves, you know, we, we've already talked about the fact that, uh, you know, our our relationship with with Jesus Christ, Romans chapter six, right? And the problem the problem really comes into the fact for me is I can't remember what all I've said in these sessions and um, the TV program because. The TV program we're going through the Book of Romans. So, if I if I repeat myself, I apologize, but that's okay, right? Um, what happens What happens if you keep putting more paint on the wall? Is it's going to look better, right? Maybe. Yeah, it'll be thicker. <laughs> it'll be thicker, right? So, hopefully, the more we we hear these things, the more we hear these things, it'll become a little bit more ingrained into our mind. Um, but as we go through here, some of the stuff that we've already talked about is there's an issue in Romans chapter 6 that I want us to make sure that we see, and I don't think that we've talked about it here, and I'm pretty sure, no, I think we did. It's not, because we've not got to Romans chapter 6 in the TV program yet. But we talked about the last time, right? Notice in Romans chapter 6, verse 3, he says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? So we talked about this the last time, right? There's this issue that God wants us to what? Know some things, right? 
He wants us to know some things. And then you go on down in, uh, uh, you go, you keep on going down through there and you see that word knowing. And in fact, I would probably go through and just mark up, mark up some of these, some of these words. Um, because they're, it's a series of logic statements is what's going on. It's a logical thing. And, and it's one of the things, Mike said this so, so wonderfully uh, last, last uh, conference. You know, the, the issue with understanding right division is it's logical. It makes sense. And it's not based on emotions, right? Now, we've talked about this before. Um, the D we train... Uh, doctrine, intellect, will, and emotion, right? That's the order in which we deal things with. But the problem is, is a lot of people in the world work the opposite way. They live their lives based off their emotions, which makes their will do something with their intellect, which creates the doctrine that they teach and that they live by. And this is completely opposite because what God does is he says what? All scripture is given by inspiration. God is profitable for what? Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So as we look at that, the issue there is doctrine. The doctrine, the doctrine motivates your intellect, right? And your intellect motivates your will. And your will says emotions. This is how we're going to respond to this. Now, uh, John Verstegen, he was... He was doing a, a message a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we, we, we'd mentioned one of the sayings that he says, let God's word do God's work. How, how liberating is that? Mm -hmm. To know that all we have to do is just let God's word do its work. We, the verse we had last week, or two weeks ago, Isaiah 55, 11, right? We know that God's word will not come back void. It will accomplish the thing that he has set it out to do. So all we've got to do is get ourselves out of the way and allow his word to work in us. And then what will that do? Does that do away with emotions? No. no. And it shouldn't. The problem is, is we don't live our lives based off of emotion. Our doctrine isn't based off of emotion. The world out there and even the church these days, that's the way they work. Why do you think that they have the bands? Why do you think that they have the run in the aisles? Because that's all emotion driven. And you think about that. You think about that word emotion. What's in that? Motion. And so what they do is there's some sort of motion involved and then that's going to produce their will, which will produce their intellect, which will produce their doctrine. And then the churches have it completely backwards. But here, God wants us to know something first. Notice, drop down to verse 11, Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Likewise, what's that next word? Reckon. Reckon. Right? <clears throat> Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Do you know what that means? Count it to be true for yourself. That's all it means. So here, we, you know, we talked about this the last time. Well, us country people know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I reckon I know that already. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon I already know that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
But remember, we talked about the no has to do with what? The spirit. All right, we talked about that, the three circles last week. Reckon has to do with the soul, right? And when you reckon it, you, you, you count it to be true for yourself. You move it from your head to your heart, all right? The heart knowledge is the issue. Now, the last thing, notice. Notice what he says in verse 13. Let's look at verse 12 first. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body. Why? Because you're dead to it. Why are you dead to it? Because you're in Christ. So the life that we have in Christ produces that. Verse 12, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Notice, do not let sin persuade and influence you. That's an amazing thing. Verse 13, how do you do that, Paul? Paul says, well, I'm glad you asked. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as your members and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So what's that last part? Yield. Now where does that take place? Your body, right? We talked about it before, the three circles, right? Spirit, soul, body. What happens when you actually... We, and we'll do this. Your members. So when we talked about this before, he says, I want you to know something. I want you to not just know it, but I want you to believe it for yourself. What's that word? I started to write something else, then I changed it to members. <laughs> it looks like blueberries. It was blueberries. That's what I <laughs> now I started to write body, but then I said, we'll just call that the members. members. All right, so, and that's, that's, these things, right? Your phalanges and all that stuff. Do you know what? The doctrine is going to make your body perform some motion, right? <clears throat> and that's that's the issue there. How do we do that, right? We know we know that we're free from sin. Romans chapter six. We should. We should know that we're free from the law. Romans chapter seven. We should know that we're free from the flesh, Romans chapter 8. Do you know what? We know, do you know what we no longer have to do? Do what the body wants to do. Do you know what that means? That's why that's last. You notice, <clears throat> go, over, go over to Romans chapter 7 real quick. <clears throat> verse 5. Romans chapter 7, verse 5. Notice what Paul says here. For when we were in the flesh... Notice, the motions of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. That's that issue there, the motions. He says, when we were in our flesh, what did we do? Motions of sins. We followed the body, and what did that do? Produce sins. So now what we need to do, instead of going this way, God's word works this way. We've already talked about that, right? The world 
works that way. The word works that way. That was one of the most enlightening things for me. Yeah. I mean, you look out in the world, what does the world appeal to all the time? That body. Right? And then you see those things follow suit. Well, one of the things that we talked about too is within the spirit and the soul, we have the mind, right? So let's take a look at some of those things. Romans chapter 12. That's what he's dealing with there, right? Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, because the things that you know about your identity, of who God has made you in Christ. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your what? Bodies. A living sacrifice. We talked about the fact that, what does it mean to be a servant? A servant means I'm going to give up my body for somebody else. And I'm going to make my body perform based on God's word for other people. Now, that brings on a whole bunch of problems, right? Because what's the body want to do? Not serve other people. And we see that as we go through. But notice. The issue there is being willing to give of ourselves at all costs. Do you know what we have to do to do that? We have to realize that I'm not the issue. I give up my life for you all and folks online. I don't expect anything in return other than us to continue giving of ourselves to other people. And that's the point there. Notice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Think about what all God has done for us. Isn't it reasonable to say, I'm going to give you my body here, Lord. I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to present my body as a living sacrifice so that you can use my body to glorify you. Through your word working in and through me. And it's His grace, it's His word, it's His life doing all the work. And I'm not putting myself up on a pedestal saying, hey, look at me, what I'm doing. That's not the issue. It's we give of ourselves to the Lord. And how do we do that? Continue on, he says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, run over real quick to Second Corinthians chapter four. <clears throat> now, when we take a look at these things, there's there's some amazing things that we're going to be able to go through. Second uh, Corinthians chapter four. There's some really great stuff, and in chapter five, we're going to get to talk about next week, which is in about an hour and a half or so from now, uh, for us anyway. <clears throat> But notice here, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's start off in verse, verse, uh, verse 1. 
Therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not. You know, when we take a look at the ministry that we have, every person has the ministry. Not just me standing up here. You, Every person here, every person on Facebook, you have a ministry. And so one of the things he says here is, says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry. Now, there is a particular ministry in which he's talking about here. And really what we're going to deal with there is the, the, the life that we have, right, that we've been given. Uh, and you go, you go through the context prior to this, and he's talking about the ministration of righteousness through there. All right, so it's a particular ministry, which we should know. That leads us into chapter 5, which deals with what? Our ministry of reconciliation. Uh, you've got the ministration of the Spirit, ministration of the right of righteousness. You got the ministration of of of, uh, of reconciliation. There, there's there's so much with that. But notice, he says, "But we have renounced verse two, the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully." By the way, when somebody comes along and says Second Timothy two fifteen. It shouldn't say that you're supposed to rightly divide the word of truth, but you're supposed to properly handle it. Say, no, there's another verse that tells us that, and that's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. We don't have to worry about changing the book. The book is exactly the way it's supposed to be. You just don't like the doctrine that that teaches. Amen. So go find the verse that tells us not that we're not handling the word of God deceitfully. Right there it is. So we don't have to have another verse because Paul says we already know that we're not. We don't need another verse that tells us to handle it properly because why? He says, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. We don't do it. We're not like the majority of Christians out there that do handle the word of God deceitfully. And I even hate to even say that because really what they're doing is they're handling the word of Satan is what they're handling. And they're handling it the exact way that he wants them to handle it. And they're doing it in churches. And it's a shame. But notice, he says, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Do you know what he's saying? Care about other people. Amen. That's what he's saying. That's what the ministry that we have is all about, is caring about other people. And the only way that you can care about other people, and I know it's hard. Sometimes you go through Walmart and tell me you love people. It's tough. And it's not something that we can do here, but it's something that Christ can do through that. Because my emotion is wanting to not like those people. Yeah, your emotions. Oh, yeah. Like, like I'm, I'm really shocked that... that uh, Just stay away. Versus like, I'm not even going to go to Walmart. Yeah, and that's it. But I mean, that's the issue. He, what's he saying? Commend yourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Do you know what that means? If somebody doesn't like something, you have to commend yourself to what they think. Mm. That one's tough, isn't it? That's a tough one. Because what do I want to do? Well, I don't have to live by your conscience. That verse right there says that we need to commend ourselves to their conscience while we're there in the, or at least in their presence. Because that's the ministry that we have. Verse 3, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of our God, should shine unto them. 
Drop down to verse 7. But we have this treasure. The treasure that he's talking about is our gospel up in verse 3. But if but we but we have this treasure where? In earthen vessels. That's this right here. Do you know what a vessel does? It carry it holds something. Are we holding to the ministry that we have? Do we do we hold to the gospel that we have? Do we hold to the glory to the light of the glorious gospel of Christ? It's a treasure. He says, this is a treasure. Our gospel, the ministry that we have, the light that we have hold of, he says, this is a treasure. Amen. We talked about it the last time, the folks in Corinthians, right? The, the chapter 16. We looked at it last time. What did they do? They addicted themselves to the ministry. They were so they were so enamored with the, the ministry that they were addicted to it. But why is it that we have this treasure in earth and vessels? Notice that. Here's the purpose. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Yeah. We talked about it before, Ecclesiastes chapter eight, verse four, right? We looked at it a couple of weeks ago. Where the word of the king is, there's what? Power. Power. Do you know why we care about this book so much? It's not so we can fuss and fight with people about the King James Bibles, but because there's power in this book. Because the words are the power, not us. <clears throat> you keep on going down through there. Notice in verse 16, this is, this is where I'm wanting to get to. Uh, all that all that other stuff was free, but notice verse sixteen. Well, we can't start in sixteen. Let's start off in verse fourteen. Where are we at? Second uh, Corinthians four fourteen. Okay. Knowing that we, that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus, and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God for which cause we faint not why is it that we don't faint the glory of God not us not numbers and my, my Bible has faint um, bolded mm -hmm. it defines it as don't lose courage or hope mm -hmm. it's what don't move Yeah. be steadfast right. unmovable Always abandoning the work of the Lord. And that's the issue. <clears throat> Notice. For which cause? For the glory of God we faint not. Right? That's the issue. For which cause we faint not. But though the outward man perish. What do we know? You know, I'm, I'm looking at my phone sometimes and I'm like, I can't read this all of a sudden. I mean, I get up out of the chair sometimes and I'm like, man, I feel like I'm 80. What's going to happen when I actually am 80 if we make it that long? But notice, we know that the outward man perished. We know that. Why do we invest time in the outward man if we know it's going to perish? But notice what he says, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And then that's why he says, for our light affliction, 
which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding internal weight of glory. We can talk about that in the next session. But that's the issue. Knowing and understanding that we can give ourselves over to what God's doing. Now what's this renewing of the mind going to do? Well, go over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're getting close to the end of this time already. I want you to see this. We've talked about it a bunch of times, but here's the issue. We can talk about it all we want until we're blue in the face. But until we actually believe the words on the page for ourselves, this stuff's not going to happen. Over in, Colossians, over in Colossians 3, Paul tells us in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That word let means you have to do it yourself. You have to allow the word of Christ to actually dwell in you. In your inner man, you've got that choice. But notice, here's how this works. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Paul talks to us in, in verse 17 about not walking as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. <clears throat> do, you know what, do you know what living here in your body is going to produce? Absolute zero nothing. You go back and you read in Romans 4, right? What is Abraham? What was it that Abraham found out about the flesh? You can't do anything. There's nothing that you can do in your flesh to help do anything. When when Cain and Abel shows up with their offerings, which one did he accept? Abel's, not Cain's. Why? Cain tried to do it of himself. He said, hey, look at all this stuff that I've done. And you look at that stuff throughout the time and history of Scriptures. People trying to do stuff in their own flesh. What did, what did Abraham produce in his own flesh? Ishmael. Right? Who did God produce for Abraham and Sarah? Isaac. So in, in Genesis 22, when he takes Isaac up and he says, Take thy son, thine only son, Isaac. God didn't even recognize Ishmael as his son. Why? Because he found out something about his flesh... And that's what we need to find out because it's the vanity of the mind. That mind also will produce things in the body as well. Notice verse 22. Here's the issue. That ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. You want a good definition of the old man? Right there it is. Is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. That's your old man. Verse 23, and be renewed in the what? Spirit, Spirit of your mind. Where's that? That's your inner man. Notice, and that ye put on the new man, which is after God, is created in righteousness and true holiness. Right there's your definition of the new man. What's the new man? which is after God created in righteousness and true holiness. That's the issue. 
Wherefore, put in away lying. Speak, speak every man truth with his neighbor. And so what Paul starts to give them there is examples. Here's something that you used to do in the vanity of your mind. Here's how you do things now in the, in the new man. Here's what your old man would do. Here's what your new man would do. Put off the old, put on the new. Quit doing this and start doing this. And he gives them an example right there. Put away lying. And what do you do? You put on, speak truth to every man. That's it. Now where do you find truth? In this book. It's the only place you find it. So if we spend our time speaking things from CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and, and Babylon B or whatever, I've done that myself. <clears throat> if we spend our time putting that stuff out, what are we doing? We're not putting away lying. Because we know the news out there is lying. So why do we put it out? Let's put that stuff off and put on the truth. And what's the truth? It's the Word of God. And he gives us more examples. You know, be angry and sin not. Um, Let him that stole steal no more. Go over to Colossians chapter 3. There's a whole bunch that I want to get through, but we're not going to. But hopefully this, as I like to say, which is, I've heard it from somewhere else, but hopefully this wets your whistle enough to go and study this out for yourself. Notice Colossians chapter 3, it's the same same issue. Uh, notice in verse 9, he says, lie, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Do you know what he's saying there? Don't lie because you've already put off the old man with his deeds. You don't have the old man that you have to worry about. He says, you've put it off already. You've put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all in all. By the way, when you take a look at those things, you've got the national, the religious, the um, the social issues, all those things. He says, oh, the economic, I couldn't read my writing there. The economic. So you've got the national, social, religious, economical, social stuff, all that stuff right there. None of that stuff matters. But notice verse 12. Put on, therefore, notice this, as the elect of God. Do you know who the elect of God is? Jesus Christ. That's a title given to Jesus Christ. But do you know who it it also deals with today? Is us because we're in Him. And He says what? Put on, therefore, as the elect of Christ, knowing who you are in Christ because the life that we have in Christ, he says, put it on, what? Holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Notice this, forbearing one another. Do you know what we have to do with each other? We have to suffer long with each other, forbear each other, knowing that there's going to be a payout one day 
And we don't do it for the payout, but we know that we are to forbear one another and forgiving one another. Even if, uh, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. How did Christ forgive you? All sins. So do you know what we do with each other? We forbear one another and we forgive each other of what? All wrong that you can do to us now, what you've done to us in the past, and what you're going to do to us in the future. You know how, you know how again, liberating and freeing that is to say because the life that I have in Christ allows me to forgive you and I don't even know what you've done to me yet. There was something I saw the other day that said, uh, you'll hear things that, that, that I've done against people, but they will never tell you this, the good stuff that we did. And I got to thinking about that. I was like, that's, that's one of those that'll kind of, you know, get at somebody. That's not the way to think. The way to think is, hey, if somebody wants to say something bad about me, that's all right. I've already forgiven them. Before they even did it, I've already forgiven them. So how can I hold it against them? You know how tough that is? But guess what? We can do it by putting on the new man. So I'm going to finish off with this real quick. There's a whole bunch that, we, that I wanted to get through, but here's the issue. The new man, the new nature, came alive by the indwelling of God's Spirit. The life that is in you now has to do with the mind of Jesus Christ. We didn't get to the verse, but we're told that we have the mind of Christ. And he says, uh, as we store up this doctrine, as we build up this edifice of sound doctrine in our soul, we understand our justification. So think of this as, as a, a ladder, right? Our, the, the understanding our justification, Romans 1 through 5, is the first rung. Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8, we have to come to an understanding of our sanctification, which is the second rung. Then 9, 10, and 11, we find out the dispensational issues, that's the third rung. Do we understand those things? And then the fourth one, we have to come to understand our sonship status, that's the fourth rung. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, we're going to become, you know, the sonship edification stuff. All that stuff is... You throw all that stuff away. They use really good terms like sonship edification. That's a great term. But the doctrine that they've, that they've taken and used and created a whole doctrine is a mess. But here's the issue. Now, if we know Romans 1 through 16, if we understand those things, if we know them, we reckon them, and we yield to what we find out in the book of Romans, what we're going to find out is we have this foundation upon which we're to build this superstructure of advanced doctrine in the rest of Paul's epistles. You realize we can't really understand Ephesians if we don't understand Romans. Have you ever thought about that? People over trying to figure out Ephesians and they haven't even figured out Romans yet. And then they, they create their own little doctrines and all that stuff. But here's the issue. What I want us to do is to become oriented to the grace and how God's grace um, operates today, the Spirit of God can take that information and through appreciation of what you have in Christ, you can be motivated to walk in the Spirit and given the capacity to do so. Get in the book. Know it, reckon it, yield. That's what it comes down to. That's the life of Christ. Those three things is understanding who we are in Christ.